eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Episode 82 of Boston Loose Baseball. The Nationals are ice cold. The Josiah Gray regression is real and it's continuing. And what in the heck is going on with Mike Rizzo's contract? That's all coming up on Boston Loose Baseball right now. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 82, alongside Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson. Where to begin? Well, I guess we could just start with the Nats crashing back down to earth. We're recording this podcast on Tuesday. Uh, forgive us for being a day late. We, uh, we're out with fam for the holiday, but five straight losses. They're about to lose their sixth in a row, barring an epic comeback, because Patrick Corbin is getting shelled. So it'll be six in a row, and assuming nothing crazy happens here, uh, eight of nine, they were on a heater. It stretched several weeks. They had played to within you know, six games in the wild card. It was getting interesting, not from the standpoint of making the playoffs, but just how much further above expectations they were going to go. And this doesn't change the fact, Toby, that the season will ultimately go down as a pretty major success. But, man, have they completely crashed back down. It just seems like they've hit a wall, doesn't it? Like, I don't know if it's exhaustion. I don't know if it's just a bunch of young guys that haven't gone through the grind and they're starting to hit that wall where usually they'd be kind of winding down in their seasons around this time in the minors, or especially if you were playing college baseball, you know, you'd be thinking, all right, you're about at that limit where they've never played the full 162 or something like that because so many guys have just hit the wall. They've come back down to earth, you know. They're kind of looking like the guys that maybe you expected to see at the beginning of the year that for so long they've been overachieving. So it's an interesting time for the Nationals because they're just really kind of limping towards the finish here. You'd hope that maybe they can get, you know, some sort of little second wind as they go down the stretch here and 
kind of finish on a strong note. But right now, the way that they're playing, it's not looking so great. And I think it's just kind of spilled over to everybody. And I think this is, again, we talk about Davey Martinez all the time. This is where he's at his best. He's going to, I think, find a way at some point during the month of September to get the guys kind of turned around. And it's not like they're probably going to go on and have a positive September where they're winning more games and they're losing like, you know, they had a spectacular August. But at the same point, if they can just find a way to get through the end of the season healthy and hopefully turn around just a little bit and get back to some of the good vibes that we were having from this team, I think it's still a positive. And like you said, I mean, obviously a, a tough couple week stretch here for the Nationals, but overall the season's still been a success, so hopefully they can get back on some winning ways here soon. Let's start with Josiah Gray in terms of some of the guys who are struggling because his regression really since the All-Star break has been pretty stunning. Uh, he came out of the break and gave up 10 hits and four runs in a five-inning outing, and you thought, uh-oh, here we go. But then he was actually really good in consecutive starts through seven innings of one-run ball against the Giants, through six shutout against the Mets. Uh, the month of August was as bad as we've seen him, though, and that's counting last season. His ERA was over eight. He walked too many hitters. He didn't pitch five innings, but in one of his five starts, and I'm saying get to the fifth, right? Like through the fifth, I should say. He had three and two-thirds, four and two-thirds, three innings, two-inning starts. So it was 19 and a third innings over five starts in that month with an ERA over eight, almost at nine and 17 walks in 19 innings with 18 strikeouts. So that was bad. You kind of hoped, okay, let's see what happens. Final month's big for him. Let's start September differently against the Marlins. And he was lucky to get out of the first. Now I know that the sun monster cost him a fly ball. We'll talk about his reaction and yelling at Jacob young in a minute. But he, he walked three straight batters after that. He had four walks in the game. He ended up settling in a little bit and going four innings. But if you look at it, he's not throwing strikes. It's not like he's giving up a ton of hits right now, but the home run rate has ticked back up. He's walking the yard. He's not throwing strikes. It has been way too long since he had a really good clean start, and it has gotten really troubling to the point where you almost need to skip him just to let him get his mechanics right. I mean, he can't throw the ball over the plate or, you know, like it's, it's optionable. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. But like, if you sent him down to triple a to make a start or two, just so he could get his mechanics, right? Like if you were in a competitive chase for a division and he was doing this for this stretch, I think that's what you would do because it's a bad team. And you're kind of rebuilding at the big league level. You can kind of keep letting him do it at the major league level, but that's the extent of kind of how bad it's gotten here recently, in my opinion, not in terms of the results, which are what they are. I just mean throwing strikes, mechanics, throwing the ball over the plate. Like, it's this has gotten ugly. Yeah, I mean, like you said, in his last six starts, going back to August 1st, he has thrown 23 and a third innings pitched. He's given up 24 hits, 22 earned runs, walked 21. And that's, that's just unacceptable, the walk totals. Like you said, the hits, I mean, a hit per inning, you can live with something like that, but then you're giving up almost a run per inning. That's obviously not acceptable. The ERA just under nine at 8-4, 8-5. So it's not been good for Josiah Gray. And I've talked about this before. Like, I kind of just want to see these guys go through the stretch run here as, you know, th these young guys haven't gone through the 162, like I was just saying a little bit earlier. And so I kind of want these guys to go through it so that, when this Nationals team is competitive again, whether it's next season, two seasons down the road, whenever it is, 
they're not going through it for the first time or the second time. Like they've gone through it in a time where this season, you know, if the results aren't great, it's okay. Like it's, it's not something that ultimately matters because you're not looking at the win loss column. So if Josiah Gray goes through the whole month of September and he throws up a 70 RA, it's okay. As opposed to if you're in a playoff race, like you were saying, maybe you'd have to consider optioning him if you were in a playoff race. But what concerns me, Grant, is that reaction to the drop by Jacob Young, because like I said, I don't want you to shut him down if you know it's not going to affect him physically. I want him to go through it, but it's clearly starting to affect him mentally because you know he's not the guy that like at times we've seen Mackenzie Gore scream on the mound after he gets a big strikeout to you know leave a, the bases loaded or something like that. He gets out of a jam. We very rarely see Josiah show that kind of emotion. It happens occasionally, but very rarely. I can't think of many instances where he's showing tons of emotion on the mound. And so for him to show emotion in that way, in a negative fashion towards a teammate, obviously it's not something good, but it's clearly gotten to him because Josiah doesn't show a lot of emotion. So for one of the first times this season to really see the emotion come out, and it's not you know, getting a strikeout to leave the bases stranded like he did so many times early in the year. It's not him fist pumping and yelling to the dugout and all those things that you see other pitchers do. Instead, the first time or one of the first times we really see some real raw emotion from Josiah Gray, it's yelling at his outfielder. It, I think it's starting to affect him mentally. So I think you're right on whether they have to skip a start, whether it's maybe they give him one more start to see if something gets fixed and they have to consider maybe giving him a soft shutdown of sorts where they could keep him on the big league roster and maybe try to skip a start or two, or if they need to altogether, just say, Hey man, you're done for the year to try and figure out what is going on mechanically, whatever the case may be. It's clearly started to affect him because physically he's fine, but for whatever reason, he can't find the strike zone. And I think it's really getting in his head. And that concerns me because you don't want a guy that was an all-star in the first half to have such a bad second half that it starts to affect him and it goes into next year. And all of a sudden, all the work that he put in to become an all-star just goes down the drain because of a bad second half. Yeah. I think you could say this about several guys, the, the young up and comers on this team, but really specifically him. Uh, I, I think that this is such a massive month now, like he has to finish strong and it doesn't have to be necessarily that he pitches to a one and a half ERA but he's got to figure this out mechanically. He's got to start throwing strikes and getting the ball over the plate. He's got to lower the walk rate the rest of the way. He's going to have another few starts. And if he could turn in three or four good ones, I think it could completely change how you feel going into the off season where, you know, his ERA at that point would be in the threes, which would look really respectable. You know, he will have made over 30 starts in the season, which in and of itself in today's day and age in baseball is quite an accomplishment. He'd be upwards of 165 or so, maybe 170 innings, depending on how things goes the rest of the way. So uh, he could still, I think, have a finish where kind of like the bread of the sandwich, you look back at this rut and you go, okay, something got out of whack. You know, mechanically, he wasn't right. But look at how he started. Look at how he finished. And I think it could completely change how we feel going into the offseason. But right now, this is kind of an alarming run here and and it is problematic he's only 25 and, and it's you know only now his third season in the big leagues in his second full season so it goes you know stands to reason uh it could you know that th this is kind of the, the grind this is the workload catching up to you a little bit but while there have been some major areas where i think he has 
shown progression. I mean, we went through time and time again while his numbers, his ERA, some other uh, numbers were better than the last couple of years to say, you know, the peripherals actually say it's kind of similar right now. And and now what you're seeing is the walks are catching up to him. He's not able to get out of the jams and straight of the runners. Uh, before the All-Star break, he had a 3-4 ERA since a 5-8. Before the All-Star break, you know, he had walked 47 in 100 innings. Now he's walking 28 in 41 innings. I mean, think about that. The average against is almost identical, 253 versus 255, but the whip's gone from 1-4 to about 1-7. Uh, so it just, it, it's not going to work this way. Um, you know, from a stuff perspective, it's, as we've talked about, he, he is a kind of the ceiling is mid rotation. And what's more likely, I would say at this point is like, instead of a, a two, three, maybe a, a three, four kind of starter, just based on the stuff, because he's added so much. Now it's fastball, slider, cutter, curve, changeup. I mean, he, he throws the kitchen sink. He's, he's, the Masson graphic the other day, they had seven pitches, I think, they were showing yeah. that he throws. And if you look at it this year, he throws the slider 26%, the fastball 18%, the cutter 17%, the curveball 16%, the sinker 15%, the sweeper 5%, and he's got a changeup, which he's only used you know, 30 or so times, and it's almost exclusively the lefties. But I guess my point is that six pitches he uses and seven total – which tells you, like, he's not confident, right? I mean, if you had two really exactly. good pitches, like, you would just go out there and let your fastball eat. But he's not throwing his fastball. He doesn't trust his fastball. His fastball's getting tagged because it's in the middle of the plate way too often. His walk rate's now ninth percentile. His strikeout rate's 23rd percentile. He's not really getting guys to chase 35th percentile. And it's not like he's overpowering, right? The fastball velocity for the years around, I think, 93 and a half is, is what his four-seamer is. Uh, but it's 25th percentile fastball. So I'm not sitting here trying to beat up on him. He's got a path to being an effective, really good starter. We saw it early in the year. But it, right now, he's getting behind. He's walking too many guys. And that's a problem for anybody. Like when Mackenzie Gore does that, throwing 97, 98, it's an issue. When Josiah Gray, who's throwing 92 to 94, does that, it's going to be a real problem. Yeah, I mean, his margins aren't as, you know, as easy to see or he, he doesn't have as much room to play with because his stuff isn't as elite as some other guys. That's why we talk about him having a little bit of a limited ceiling, not necessarily being that top of the rotation type guy, because when you think about him and you look at his fastball and you look at the numbers against his fastball, he's not a guy that can get away with missing a fastball over the middle. There are guys around Major League Baseball, the Garrett Coles of the world, that if you're throwing 98, 99, occasionally you can miss right over the heart of the plate and the guy still can't hit it. Now, it's not something you can live on, but that's something that Josiah Gray just doesn't have. And so his thing is he needs to feel confident because he needs to be able to miss barrels with his slider and all of his other pitches. And what happens is when you lose some of that confidence, it's either two things. Either you lose the confidence, you lose some of the feel, and you hang them over the middle of the plate, or you get a little too picky and you don't want to give up the homers and you start nibbling and you're missing off the plate and all of a sudden you start walking, guys. And so we've seen a combination of both of those things with Josiah Gray. He's starting to give up more home runs. And obviously, we've seen the walks go way up. So it's clearly a loss of confidence because his stuff is never going to be as elite as some of the pitchers in Major League Baseball. But he's got very subtle stuff that allows him to still be an effective pitcher. The problem is when you walk so many guys or you leave stuff over the middle of the plate, when you've got the stuff that Josiah has, it's not going to work well for you. He's got to be 
very fine with the way that he does things. He's got to be very controlled. He's got to have nice command, and he's lost a lot of those things over his last six starts. Yeah, and to his credit this year, he's avoiding the barrel more. You know, the the uh, launch angle is down. Home runs are still way down. He's allowed half of the home runs right now, as he allowed when he led the major leagues last season. And even though there's a few starts left, that, that is an indicator here in the final month how much that number is going to come down by. But if you're comparing the last couple of years, I mean, the expected batting average against Josiah Gray. So you're talking about off of the bat, like what should fall in, what should go for a hit based on exit velo, launch angle, some of those things. Each of the last two years in Washington, 219 expected batting average. This year, 254. I mean, that, that has leaped big time, right? That's not even talking about the walks, where the walk percentage was 10.7 in year one, 10.2 last year. And now has jumped to 12.0, which is bottom 9% of the league. The ERA, 5.4, 5.0. Right now is 4.13, but obviously the FIP would tell you that, you know, he's been fairly lucky to have uh, that ERA. But, you know, the strikeout percentage is down considerably from about 24% to 19%. And the walk rate is up. So he's got to figure this out. Uh, and, you know, it's at a time here organizationally where, Obviously, the plan is that he's going to be a fixture, and it should be that way. But if, in fact, they can create more competition and a couple of these arms hit or are better than we think, you know, if they were spending money and had veteran starters and they only had a couple spots for younger guys, then all of a sudden, if Jake Irvin or, you know, Mackenzie Gore is obviously a higher ceiling guy, but, you know, DJ Hers or some of these other pitching prospects became something. No, you might start looking over your shoulder. I don't think they have that caliber of other arms. Like Gray is still ahead of most of those other guys, but it is just going to be him personally wanting to kind of take off in his career, right? You just became an all-star. You want to prove that wasn't a fluke. So it's not necessarily, I don't think that there's anybody pushing him or that he's at risk of, of not being a, a fixture here for years to come. It's just, you know, you, you got to feel like you're better than this. If you're Josiah Gray and, and you should feel that way. And it's not all bad. His average exit velocity is 80th percentile. You know, if you look at his breaking ball and, and the value of kind of what, the movement of those pitches, it's pretty elite, 88th percentile. Hard hit percentage is 68th percentile. So he does some things very well, even during this awful stretch. But bottom line is it's really simple for me. Like there, I always say this in football. There's nothing worse than watching a defense that can't stop the run. Because when you can't stop the run, like nothing else matters. A team just hands it off and they walk down the field. And to me, that in baseball, that's throwing strikes. Like if you can't throw strikes, if you're just walking the yard like he did in his last start, it's brutal. Now, we didn't really get into the Jacob Young situation enough, I didn't think. So you, you brought it up. But uh, basically, so I haven't seen a good video of how people knew exactly what he said. I saw everyone kind of on Nat's Twitter claiming he said, catch the bleeping ball. What I saw watching the game live as Masson went to break, he kind of turned toward the outfield and screamed. And you could definitely see him yelling out toward the outfield. But I didn't see a shot where you can actually jomboy it and, like, read his lips. Do you know how people found out what he said or, like, where that came from? Did I miss something? Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe because you, maybe if people were down in the lower bowl, you could hear it. I'm not sure. I haven't seen anything that's... I could decipher what he said, but you right. I've heard enough people but, say that. But you saw, like I did, that he basically looked out at center, you know, toward the outfield and screamed. 
right yeah. after there was a ball lost in the sun. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, I hate that for JY, and I hate, you know, Jason Worth used to have it happen. Bryce Harper used to have it happen. That ballpark, for whatever reason, and I don't know the specifics, but the direction of the park and the sun and some of those early day games like that, it, it, you know, those four o'clock games especially are nightmare. It's a disaster. Uh, that's going to happen. So it was really disheartening because Josiah is such a good dude and such a great leader. Like, remember, he was the guy that went up to Jacob Young, introduced himself when he first walked into the clubhouse while the media was in there. Um, Josiah is the, the number one liaison over at the, the Nats Youth Academy, has another event coming up this week. He's just a true pro and a leader, and he's so mild-mannered. You know, Gore, for all of his... Uh, and we've talked to him on the pod about this, but for all of his like antics and yelling and things on the mound, it's always about himself. You know, he never yells at a teammate. I've, I him and Victor Robles got into it for the right reasons. But he it was did in the dugout. In the, yeah, in the dugout, not out on the field. Like yeah. he's never crossed that line. And the line Josiah crossed, and I know he was he felt bad about it. He apologized, and he's come out and said, "I'm better man than that. I'm a better teammate than that." And he's right. But like you just don't really see that. It's it's a it's as bad a look as there is for a pitcher. Uh, because if you're Jacob Young, you could scream back at him, throw a strike, damn it. You know, like, how about don't walk everybody? That yeah. would be nice. Uh, but that was not cool to see. And, and uh, you know, JoJo, as you know this, that's my boy. Like, that, that's my favorite player on the team probably, uh, just in terms of guys that I root for as a dude, not as much just like just the playing part. But uh, so it was tough for me seeing that. But it happens, you know, you rub dirt on it and you move along. Yeah, and I think that's why, again, like – you know, at the end of the season, even if Josiah has a really rough last month of the season, I'm not going to be thinking that he should lose his spot in the rotation or anything, because I think we saw enough early on in the season. But this is why it's a little maybe more concerning than just the numbers to me is it clearly has started to get into his head where he's really struggling with it and he's probably battling with it and he's thinking about it on his drive home every single day. And it's something that, you know, he can't just leave at the ballpark, you know, sometimes pitchers or hitters or just athletes in general you're able to kind of turn it off and just let it go but if it just continues to fester in your mind non-stop and it's something that just eats away at you then that's how you can have something where a very mild-mannered guy like Josiah Gray kind of goes off on a teammate and that's something that the Nationals haven't had happen in a while I think that's something that Davey does a good job of making sure it doesn't happen and if it does it gets handled in the clubhouse or at least in the dugouts but Again, that's why I'm a little bit worried about him. I think, again, I think it's going to be all right, and I think well, everything will be fine. I don't think we'll see that again from Josiah Gray. But it's just something that hopefully he's able to get past it. Hopefully he's able to you know, mend the relationships, which I'm sure he's already done in the clubhouse. But on top of that, hopefully he can kind of find a way to put what's going on on the field, some of the bad results past him so he can work on the mechanics so he can get back to the guy that we saw as an all-star in the first half. Yeah, along those lines, I guess, said differently. Um, I just think him yelling at Jacob Young had nothing to do with Jacob Young. If, if that 100%. You know, like, that is an outburst over, like, him being livid about his current situation. And it's, you know, it's like uh, me and my wife occasionally will snip at each other. And we don't, it's, it's like, no, we haven't slept because we have a, a baby that's a month old and our <laughs> kids are driving us crazy. And there's three of them, right? It's like... Uh, you know, I'm mad at her because she didn't put the keys on the counter and she left them in the bag. And so I got in the car and I had to walk back in the house and I'm like, why aren't the keys on the counter? And I'm like, really, this has nothing to do with the keys. Let's be honest. I, I just I, I just in a bad mood because it's been a long day. Right. Yeah, so exactly. I, I think that's kind of what was going on there, um, if I had to guess.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data wasabi another boston-based championship team okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Long gone! All right, before we delve into anything else, I think the, probably the biggest story, frankly, surrounding this team, and one that <clears throat> it's time that we reset on, is Mike Rizzo and what in the hell's going on here. Clearly the report that he was about to have a deal done when Davey got his extension a couple weeks ago when we did that emergency pod was not accurate uh, because he still doesn't have a deal done. Uh, Johnny DePuglia has stepped down this week. So as part of this pretty horrific week of Nationals baseball, both at the major league level where they have not been good, and I would say it was not a particularly good week on the minor league front with some guys slowing down, you had DePuglia resigning as Rizzo still doesn't have a contract. For people that don't know anything about Johnny DePuglia, uh, he ran their international operation, which is essentially for them the Dominican Republic, uh, but he would be the, the leading scout outside of the States over the years for the Nationals. Uh, he actually, you know, it's, uh, it's been a struggle for their system in general, and, and I would say internationally for a few years, but uh, he – you know, I, I counted 23 major leaguers over 14 seasons. This was his 15th year. I think you probably are okay with that. You know, he finds, gets credit for Soto, Robles from the championship team. Wander Suero was on that title team, among others. But there's a lot of questions here. Why did he resign? You know, did he want more money and they weren't going to give it to him? Did he have an issue with uh, how the learners are handling the, the lack of a sale? Is does this tie directly to Mike Rizzo? Here's what I can tell you. Him and Mike Rizzo are, are brothers. I mean, th those guys are boys. Rizzo is his right-hand man. Uh, vice versa, rather. Sorry. R Rizzo's right-hand man for years. Going back over a decade has been DePuglia. 
Uh, he's one of the first guys he mentions anytime he ever references executives uh, in the front office. So when that happened, it was the first time, even though the whole time I've been kind of like, what is going on here? Why isn't Rizzo signed? That was the first like, alert, 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 alert. Something is not right. Something is not right. Still no contract for Mike. The last public comments he made a couple weeks ago on the Sports Junkies were he got Davies' contract done. That was his job and basically made it seem like now we'll wait and see what the learners do. Now one of his top guys has stepped down. What do you think's going on here? It almost feels like a staring contest between Rizzo and the learners. Like maybe it's something where, because I don't feel like you'd get a report that they were close without something having been discussed. So clearly I think that they were thinking, or at least, you know, from the report that obviously Davey's going to get done and they're pretty close with Rizzo. So maybe they're just looking at numbers. The problem is maybe Rizzo's asking for a larger number, which he probably deserves and the learners don't want to pay it. And they're just looking at each other and just saying, Rizzo saying, are you going to pay it? And I can go somewhere else. And the learners are like, well, I mean, let's just see if we can play a little chicken here and see what happens. And it almost feels like that's going on right now. And that's not a good spot to be in with one of the top executives in the sport because he could just go somewhere else. It's not as if, you know, if Rizzo went on the open market, he could find a job tomorrow. Like someone would bring him in in some capacity. So I don't like what's going on here because it just seems like the longer this goes on, the less likely he's going to stay with the nationals. I still feel like there's a good chance he stays in DC, but I mean, every single day it goes on, I have a worse feeling about this because it seems like something is going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. And like you said, I mean, obviously there has to be something more because to report that it was close and we're still here, something else is going on. And I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. Yeah, I'm with you. So a, a few things. Uh, number one, I would still bet on Rizzo being back. It just makes more sense than him leaving. Because the only openings that I could think of right now, Chris Getz is the new GM of the White Sox, who's a former player there. They've already promoted from inside the org. I guess he could go as a president and you'd slot in with a GM you don't know uh, who's already been there, who would, you know, you're risking him. And what if you don't see eye to eye with him? You know, now he, he's got the owner's ear. That's not a good situation to me. It's also a terrible job, as we've talked about, as they have to rebuild. Then you got the Angels. They're not open right now, but I don't know how Manasian would survive the fiasco of the last few months. <laughs> They've also wanted Rizzo in the past, which is why I bring them up. If that job became open, I definitely think they'd go after him. Um, that's a worse job than the White Sox, as far as I'm, I mean. If the White Sox are a bottom five job, that's a bottom two job right now. Yeah, uh, and, and maybe it's last. I don't know if you where you'd put the A's or you know, one of these teams that just doesn't spend like the Pirates. Um, so because of the fact that those jobs are horrific, why would you leave here if you're Rizzo, where you've got this thing going in a good direction, you have another chance to win, you've been in the city for years, and I don't just mean as an executive, but you live here, it's home, you got a wife and a kid now. Uh, like, I, I don't see him leaving. On top of all of that, um. I would say that from a nationals perspective, I don't think you're going to do better in the middle of a sale. No. You know, m maybe if this thing was sold and, or the learners came out and said, we're not selling, we're back baby. And we're going to, you know, open for business. And here's our proof. 
we're going to go get a frontline starting pitcher. This, you know, whatever. Maybe you know an executive would come in here with this thing about to take flight and go, oh shoot, I I love this situation. Let's rock and roll. But that's not reality. Like they're they're doing this half in half out bit, and they're not spending money. It's like I, I just don't see this in transition the way that it is as a destination gig uh, for someone better than Rizzo. You know who I think is pretty good. Uh, I actually think is really good. Um, so that brings me back to DePuglia, though, and what's going on. I actually would bet with you that there's just a negotiation where they're playing hardball. And knowing this, the players here, I would imagine the learners are cheap on this or not budging or saying, here's what we're giving you. And Rizzo's going, I'm worth more than that. Like Rizzo thinks highly of the job he's done and, and his outfit, I'm sure. So right, they're going to so. have to maybe meet in the middle. Where here's my big questions on the Depuglia thing, and I'm just kind of thinking out loud. You can kind of react to whatever you want, but on Depuglia, one of a few things seems like it could have happened to me. Number one, you're just tired of this whole thing. You're you're tired of um, this is assuming he walked. I'll get to the other possibility in a second, but if he he resigned is what they said. But let's just say he out of nowhere just threw his you know papers down on the desk and said, "I'm out." are you tired of how ownership's operating? You don't want to keep working in this state of flux. You, you don't like not getting the money necessary either for you in your contract, I'm guessing, or uh, resources. Like I'm getting judged based on whether or not I'm finding players, but the guys doing the same thing as me have all these resources right now that I don't have. And that I'm asking for, uh, is that a possibility? Is there a lack of spending in, in, in areas where it would help do the job better? Um, could it be that this is another idea I thought of like Mike Rizzo and the, the, uh, learners are in this ongoing discussion and he's scratching and clawing for every penny, but they're saying, listen, man, the system was a disaster and you guys didn't find enough guys for a while. And look what happened. We had to trade all these guys and we took a beating for having to trade Soto and this player, uh, you got to make changes. You know, some of the guys you've had around here for 10, 15 years that are your buddies, that uh, you think are the best, you know, some of them can't be here anymore. We got to, you know, get some fresh eyes and blood. And I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but I, I'm wondering if they're going, you know, Chris Klein who's done the draft for all these years. Look at the draft results. Uh, Johnny DePuglia, again, he's had 20 plus international guys in 14 years. But if you look at the last few years that they go, when's our last guy post Soto? Uh, so maybe it's a, a situation of we'll bring you back. You're the president but we need to make some other changes. And maybe as they start to look around or talk, a guy like DePuglia says, I'll walk, you know, screw, screw this. I have no idea. I hate speculating like this, but because the team's been so private, because there's no information coming out and all the people that I generally would be able to talk to on this have kind of been coy. Uh, that's all we can do. I mean, there's really, you know, as much reporting as you can try to do right now, it's, it's hard to come by out of DC. Yeah. And I feel like it's not the situation that I've seen, on Twitter where people are like, well, have maybe just look at what's going on in the DSL right now. They just fired Puglia. Like, I don't feel like Rizzo looked at yeah, his guy. Can you and just explain what on. you mean by that, too? Like people like looking at what's going on in the DSL right now and seeing how poorly that team is playing. And yeah, I think they were like, I I'm making up a number, but they were like 10 and 40 or something. Like yeah. That. So, so some people on Twitter are basically going out and saying, well, look at how they're doing. Rizzo probably was done. It's a resigned quote unquote, but really Rizzo moved on. I just, I don't feel like with the relationship between the two of them. And like you said, maybe it hasn't been the best right uh, of the last couple of years, but his track record, I'd say overall is, 
fairly decent. And I just don't feel like Rizzo is going to do that. So I don't think it's that situation. I don't know what it means, but again, that's another one of those red flags. The fact that we're still waiting, then Depuglia resigns and we got all this stuff going on. I mean, we've talked about this before. We still feel like he's probably going to end up back with the Nationals, but just the longer it goes, the more concerning it gets. Yeah, and I would uh, also point out in this system, for what it's worth, an MLB pipeline right now. Uh, if you're look like if you look for a international prospect from the Dominican or, or anywhere else, like you've got to go to Christian Vaquero is the only guy in the top ten, and hadn't hit for any power yet. He's 18 years old, has big time upside, could be a good player. But other than Vaquero, who they spent all the money on, and I'm not going to call him a disappointment to this point because he's 18 years old and a ball. But it's it's not like he is like becoming the talk of baseball or top yeah. fifty or hundred guy or something like that, right? Which for the money you spent, sometimes in that first year, a guy's already kind of showing some of that. Um, but he's been fine. He's kind of right where he should be, frankly. But if if you take him out of the equation, like the other international guys, Harleen Susana trade from the Padres, Kevin Mad uh, Made trade from the Cubs. Uh, you got to go to Jeremy De La Rosa, you know, way down bottom like maybe 20th, 15 to 20 in the system. And I think Jeremy De La Rosa is a little underrated, to be honest with you. Uh, but he's having a year where he hit 240 and A-plus ball at a tough level, has 13 steals to go along with seven home runs. After a big year in Fredericksburg, kind of took a step back this season. But between like him and uh, Royce Mark Quintana and um, Izzy Pineda, you know, I'm just think Armando Cruz, like none of those guys project right now like impact major leaguers. So I don't know. I, it's got to be a factor in in the conversation when you're talking about the Puglia leaving but I think the guy had enough success here for sure that he would view it as a pretty one you know good run I mean you're with one org for a decade and a half like that doesn't happen yeah if they're not happy with your work and you know finding Soto in and of itself uh, finding might not be the right word but getting him signed getting him to the Nats which he was instrumental in like that is that in it, that's that guy's presence won them a World Series and completely rebooted the system. So th- there's Depuglia being able to put a pelt on the wall for whoever's talking to him this week, saying, "Oh, you want me to come in? Okay, here's here's my Mona Lisa." Yeah, and that's my thing is I, I don't know that that's the when I say I don't think that's it. That's obviously a factor when you look at what has happened over the last couple of years and you look at the Nationals' top prospects and not having the top flight guys internationally, but. At the same point, I don't think it's as simple as that. I think, you know, some of the speculating you did, I think some of the stuff behind the scenes, I think it's a combination of things. You know, I think I'm sure that obviously played a part in it, but it wasn't the sole factor that Rizzo said, I'm done with what you're doing in the DSL and trying to find these guys. I'm done with how you're scouting. Let me try someone else. I don't think that's the sole factor as to why Tapuglia quote unquote resigned. I think there has to be some extra stuff going on behind the scenes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Zoom. Couple of uh, notes from the minor leagues here in a minute before we get out of here. Anything else at the big league level that you wanted to hit, though? 
I don't think there's anything too crazy going on. Like, I mean, this team is just struggling so bad right now. So hopefully they can get things figured out. I think they will. I think it's just one of those stretches you go through in 162 games where for whatever reason, either they get a wall. Very good, remember? I mean, like exactly, we, we were enjoying it so much because it was unexpected. Like a team was playing over their skis, and they're not anymore. Yeah, and I think it's just something that they'll figure something out. They'll probably find a little winning streak here before the end of the season. Maybe if it's just a you know a three or four gamer or something like that, they'll probably find something like that. But you know, again, I think this just reminds us of what this team is right now. It's not quite there yet. Hopefully, it's getting closer next season. Hopefully you're even inching towards the playoffs, at least in 2025, maybe even next season. But again, I think it's just a reminder that this team has a lot of potential. We saw it. Now it's just reminding you it's still got a little ways to go, though, before it gets to that team that we're all expecting to get there in a couple of years. Dylan Cruz out of the lineup, got a day off, and then the minor league day off on Monday, Labor Day. So a couple days of rest back in the lineup with a two-hit game, uh, which is awesome to see in Altoona. Uh, six to four win for the Harrisburg Senators. Uh, he his two hits in the leadoff spot were a contributor. James Wood in that game, by the way, hit a triple as part of a two hit night. He was two for four. Also stole a base, so his wheels were on display. Just a casual six seven flying around the base paths for a triple and also stealing a base. You know, it's a shame, by the way, Toby. You brought this to my attention, but Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz were supposed to match up this week. And then the Pirates went ahead and shut Skeens down. Well, they didn't want a recreation of what happened with the first time that they met when Dylan Cruz, as a freshman, decided to go yard against Paul Skeens. So they didn't want to destroy all their pitchers' confidence by having his former teammate, his buddy, Golden Spikes winner, take him yard and kind of destroy some of that confidence he's built up as a number one overall draft pick. But in all seriousness, it sucks that we don't get to see that as you know minor league baseball fans. But on a positive note, Brady House... His first home run at double A finally got one out of the ballpark there. So pretty cool to see him go yard. Yeah. 295 average at double A Harrisburg with the senators. Uh, just a great season for him. He would have liked to have seen, you know, a little more power, as you said, the last few weeks hitting the ball out of the yard, but that's the last thing I worry about with him. That is the least of exactly. my concerns is if he's having good at bats and making contact and, Hitting for some average, you'll take it. Uh, in Wilmington, Andrew Pinckney, another one for two with a double uh, as they play on right now. He's hitting 340 in A plus ball. Uh, meanwhile, Yoani Morales is two for two in the game with a double and an RBI. He's hitting 313 at the uh, A plus level. So those two guys collectively are still up around, oh, shoot, close to 400 as pros uh, because they both continued to rake with Wilmington playing for the Blue Rocks. Yeah, it's just nice to see the draft class doing so well for so long. It seems like every year we talk about the draft class or we talk about the prospects and we're down on them. But, I mean, outside of Dylan Cruz, it's not like Yo-Yo's the highest rated guy. I mean, he would have been possibly a first rounder, but he's not a top five prospect for the organization right now. And same thing with Pinckney. It's not like either of those guys are projected to be top 100 MLB, MLB prospects, yet they're coming in and doing really well. So it's really cool to see. Speaking of home runs, do want to point out, Finally, Elijah Green hit another home run uh, this weekend. He has been back at Fredericksburg searching for home run number five of the season, and he hit it. So 283 at-bats and five homers, the 219 average. Obviously, the most discouraging thing is that strikeout rate being at about 50% this year. No other way around it. It was a, a brutal first season for him professionally. Pretty awful at the plate, 
Um, he, he is a, a fascinating prospect still because of the tools. 29 stolen bases. Uh, he's got great speed. He's huge. He can play center field. So teams would jump at the opportunity to add this guy to their system if given the chance to. He's kind of become a forgotten man of sorts in the Nat system. But it's funny. One of my buddies who played some pro ball really knows the game. And, and you know, whenever he goes and sees teams, I always like to ask him what players he noticed. But he texted me about Elijah Green this week. He was at the uh, Fred Nats game. And he's like, this is their first round pick from last year, right? I said, yeah. He's like, oh, my God, he's fast. He, he's huge. Like, he was so enamored with him. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. you know. Like, uh, and, of course, he homered in that game. So he probably has him, you know, going to the well, hole. But and it, is, it was refreshing just to, like, to know that it's almost like seeing something through someone else's eyes, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're not glued to it every day and seeing the strikeout rate, the starter kid is still pretty damn special. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, the tools are evident. You can see the speed. You can see the power at times. We'd like to see it a little bit more. But like you said with Brady House, I think the power is going to come. I'm not worried about the power. I'm not worried about the defense. It's literally just can he put the bat to the ball? Because if he can't, then obviously that's a fundamental thing in baseball. If he can't do it, then it's a problem. But I'm not worried about the power. I'm not worried about his speed. I'm not worried about his defense. I think he's got the potential to be that five-tool center fielder that you so often crave and there are so few of in Major League Baseball. The problem is he just has to put the bat to the ball, and we're not seeing that enough, but he's still so young. So if they can figure something out, whether it's a swing change, whether it's because even his eye is pretty good. Like It's not like he's just swinging and missing all the time when pitches way out of the zone. It's just swing and miss in the zone stuff. So, I mean, it's definitely concerning, no doubt about it, but hopefully – after a year, you can find some things that need to be fixed and they can make those changes. And then hopefully he can come back next season, start making some contact and then show off why he was a top five pick. Got a shout out. Oh, 99 dollar sign who left this comment over uh, at <clears throat> our page for the pod. He said one of the best nationals podcast, great chemistry between Toby and Grant, intriguing discussion and even better interviews with players. You are a sweetheart and a doll baby. We yeah, thank you very much. That was very kind. Uh, we will always shout you out and uh, read your reviews. Speaking of which, please subscribe to the podcast, Boston Loose Baseball, wherever you get your audio. Please rate and review and leave that comment, and uh, we will read it because we're not above that, and we're desperate for your affection and your attention. And uh, what is it, dopamine? Is that what it is? Uh, like, something like that. Yeah, we're we're desperate for likes and we're um, desperate for dope. <laughs> yes, we love uh, that. But stay in school, kids, and don't do drugs. <laughs> for Toby and producer Darius, I'm Grant saying so long for your pals at Boston Loose Baseball.